Hello, everyone, and welcome to DirtyOldMen.TV. We are very happy to have you. Uh, this is the first inaugural episode of this uh, show that Colin and I put together. Uh, that's me. That's that's Colin over there, and of course we have our uh, illustrious, very, very beautiful guest, uh, uh, ex biz award winning, award winning many awards, uh, clips for sale, uh, business owner, uh, spokesmodel, dominatrix, rodeo clown, divine bitch, and a domestic goddess. I got that off your Twitter. Uh, Thank <laughs> you. Ashley Fires. It's awesome to have you on the show. Hey. Thank you guys so much uh, for joining us, and thank you, Ashley, for for being here. And of course, Colin. Yeah, Thanks I'm just for gonna, having me. I'm just going to do my my Larry, Larry King positioning here. Does that work? <laughs> do I need suspenders? You know that that works Larry's got to be a dirty old man. He just looks it. Uh, oh, I'm sure he is. I think I'm kind of an honorary dirty old man. Uh, I'm trying to sport like the chin strap or whatever to like kind of like fit in with Colin here. But I need to get like an honorary dirty old man pin. What do you guys think? I've always been a dirty old man. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're if, my, if my beard gets any grayer and longer, I'm going to be a dirty old Amish man. So. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah. So uh, this show is basically just a casual conversation with, with Colin and I and whoever the guest is. Today we're lucky, very lucky enough to have uh, Miss Ashley Fires on the show. So uh, we're going to kind of have a cool conversation, ask her some questions. Uh, maybe some funny stories will come up and stuff, uh, hopefully. Uh, we all have a bunch working in this wonderful adult industry of ours. Um, so, so, Ashley, you ready to go? Ready. Awesome. Okay, let's get her done. Simon, uh, Simon, why don't you jump in with the first question, and then I'll spin off. Let me access these cool little show notes that we did. We're very prepared. Um, when did you get into adult entertainment, Ashley? Well, I was 21 years old, and it seemed a natural progression. I was dancing in Las Vegas. Um, my brother was dating an adult film actress, but she, she mostly specialized in the fetish side of the industry. And I don't know. I thought it was cool. It, was, it just kind of happened. She introduced me to an agent, and then, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> so you got your feet wet in it. Uh, what, what made you want to pursue a full career over a long term? What are parts of the industry that appealed to you at the get, beginning uh, to propel you forward? Well, in the beginning, this was a while ago, okay? This was nine years ago. Wow. So I, I actually started out with only print work. I started very baby steps, very slow, doing magazines and photos, and then graduated into video. And I remember my first video, oh, I started in fetish, actually. Fetish was my first love. Interesting. And, I was going to ask that question a little bit later, actually. But now that you're kind of talking about it, um, yeah. you're mentioning that, there, you know, the first stuff you did was fetish. Was Were you into it as kind of like a lifestyle prior to video? Did you experiment at all or, or was it introduced to you with video? Uh, no, I actually, without even knowing it, I was hanging out with this couple and I was like their little girlfriend. Oh. <laughs> and she, well, well, before I even knew what cuckolding was, right, she would use me to cuckold her boyfriend. Interesting. And make him jealous. And so that, that happened when I was like 18 with a fake ID. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then I had another um, very, very kinky older man as a boyfriend when I was 19. And we experimented with plenty of BDSM and you know a lot of role playing. And, and then when I started modeling, I felt you know, comfortable with some of the scenarios and situations, being that I'd already dabbled a bit as a submissive in my personal life. 
Interesting. Okay. Like the, the whole cuckolding thing, I mean, sorry to cut you off, Colin. I just wanted to kind of harp on this for a sec is the fact that you experienced it like you were, it was two girls cuckolding a guy. I mean, generally, you know, in the niche or niche, however, I'm, I don't even know how Canadians say it. How Canadian? How are Canadians supposed to say niche? I should probably, probably do that say one. Niche. niche? Like okay, that. I'll go back to niche then. We are um, the people that say niche, niche, niche. <laughs> yes. Oh God, I always love Monty Python references. I am a huge nerd. Um, but yeah, I mean, usually it's you know a, like a, a girlfriend or a wife, whatever, cuckolds their significant right. other with another guy, right? But in this case, it was two women. I mean, how often do you kind do you? run into that a lot or do you find it different or maybe less because i mean like what guy doesn't want their girlfriend to sleep with another girl right like um do you think it's any less like humiliating or or degrading to to the significant other well i mean i've done some lesbian cuckolding lately yeah, yeah that's what i mean where well well where no where oh a lesbian couple oh and, okay yes see that yeah well I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think as long as you're into it, if you're into that space and you're surrendering and you're, you know, turned on, it's it's the whole, I get this, I deserve this. You don't, you know? Right. I think male or female, especially when it's somebody who genuinely is attracted to both sexes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there's not, not a huge, I agree with you. I don't think there's a huge difference between doing it with another girl or with another guy. I think it's pretty equal and awesome. If it's way. done right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, Colin, go ahead. So it's sort of uh, the total other end of the spectrum from lesbian cuckolding fetish. Um, actually, you know, you and I have been around this industry for a long time, but we just, what, three or four months ago, finally did our very first shoot together. And you were in this rather strange film that was kind of um, intended for the women's erotica. Uh, now they're calling it mommy porn. Uh, marketplace. Mommy porn. You know why? Yeah, the, the whole Fifty Shades of Grey thing. Right, because it appeals to a more yeah. so, mature audience, not young so, women. So we shot that for um, as a combination of content for our women's site, shush.com, um, but also um, for a, you know international news outlet out of Europe um, that was doing it. Were, were there any kind of different feelings about doing that kind of a movie that is not really... Has anything hard. to do with fetish or hard or anything? It's all story based in the in the sequence we're seeing up here. That's playing. Um, you're about to get into a food fight uh, with the co-star in this uh, movie we made called The Plumber. You want to just great. talk about that a little bit and, and mommy porn and Fifty Shades of Grey and you know any have you seen a growing market in that? Does it feel different to do it? I I definitely have noticed a growing market. I mean, here we are five decades into the advent of modern feminism and we're we're really making a big deal over a book that you know has a few a few you know slightly unvanilla scenarios Mm -hmm. i i just i i think it's wonderful that women of all ages especially mommy porn viewers are owning their sexuality Mm -hmm. and you know it's, it's actually it's not surprising and it's a shame that it didn't happen even sooner yeah, and if it if it takes a um, kind of an overly wordy book with really bad grammar to bring people out and be able to read something that's known to be slightly naughty, you know, on the subway or in public, you know, I'm all for that. Um, you know, it's it's great. We've been running Shush for 11 years at this point, and it's amazing to me to this day that when we get some kind of mainstream media coverage, like on we were on ABC Nightline um, a couple of weeks ago, and the amazing thing to me is the 
mainstream journalists, when they approach us from time or whatever, it's like, oh my God, women look at dirty movies? Really? I, I never would have thought. It's just like, hello, duh. Um, right. So do you find, you know... Well, I mean, I, I definitely... More open about it at this point? Yes, and I notice even when I sit next to strange women on an airplane, and I used to lie about what I do for a living in my chosen career, but now I just tell them, and I tell them basically in one breath, I'm an adult film actress. If you have a problem with that, that's your problem. I'm not much for chit-chatting, so... I've had the same experience, just, just, just in the last year or so. It used to be on any plane, if it, we chit-chatting with the fellow passenger. I, I always just did internet stuff, because I didn't <laughs> really want to have that conversation. But now, yeah. people say, what do you do? I say, you know, I'm an adult film producer, and, you know, and, and internet stuff, but it's porn. I, I just did that at the, do uh, not just did, like maybe a year ago. I decided, like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start telling people. And just, it's, cause it's kind of funny to just see the reaction, if anything. And, yeah. and normally it's just like, no way. Do you know this person and this person and this person? It's like, dude, you know, like 35 porn star names. I, I couldn't name like eight. Like, I don't remember. <laughs> like, how, you know, like, it's amazing. But then there was this one lady, and I, it was the funniest reaction. I'm like, she's like, oh, so, you know, what do you do? Because you start chatting in the dog park and stuff. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm in the adult in, uh, entertainment industry. And she just looks at me like direct. She's like, oh, that's sad. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, no, I love my job. It's awesome. But, oh, God, I, I just like I left that. Oh, it was it was quite a memorable experience. But So so one of the things that ended um, with Ashley and I working together on this thing was just the sheer ease of the geography. Um, last year, coming when you were still in L.A., uh, you proudly said that you were moving to New Hampshire, and I said, "I live in New Hampshire." And That's then, right. I, it was and then you told me you were moving to this town. It's ten miles from me, so we're like the two biggest porno pornographers in New Hampshire. Yeah, and we're neighbors. And we're neighbors. So yeah, you know, it it's funny how work. it's funny how when you tell somebody you're you know in the adult industry, they just assume that you wear sunglasses at night, live in L.A. and drive some. <laughs> yeah, Simon Simon's doing the L.A. thing now. Shake your head a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, even even little old New Hampshire, which, strangely enough, is a piece of trivia for our viewers. There are only two states in the United States where production of pornography is constitutionally protected by state law, free speech, and you cannot be, you know, unless you do something wrong. <laughs> one is California, and the other one is the great state of New Hampshire, where the license plates say, live free or die. And strangely enough, those license plates are stamped out by hand by prisoners in the state. <laughs> How is that for bitter irony? Uh, that story will never get old. That's uh, just to harp on this point for a little bit. Um, one of the things that I'm really excited for this show is the ability to kind of pull back the curtain on, on our industry a little bit. Because I think there's a lot of mysticism behind it. There's a lot of mystery. People kind of just see the glam, you know. Um, and and one of the cool things is to tell people like no we, we live in New Hampshire we have winter and stuff we're not like in LA you know working winter on the beach stuff. with our laptops you know <laughs> like um, it's uh, that that's one of the things that I really want to um, and, you're, and you're in Montreal which is yeah. kind of a cosmopolitan hip place welcome um, to my so, igloo and yeah, I have to go to outside igloo. for my outdoor plumbing and. Uh, <laughs> being being a gamer I, I I spend a lot of time online with like people that aren't in Canada. And it's actually kind of frightening how many people actually think that, like, I live in an igloo. Like, legitimately live in an right. igloo. Like, it's hilarious. Yeah. No, and everyone thinks we're in the woods. You yeah. know, I tell people yeah. I moved to New Hampshire, and they're like, oh, my God, 
are you on a farm? <laughs> are you from there? You know, and it, it's it's just it's a welcome change of pace. I really like it here. It's really beautiful. I can breathe the air. And I think that it's important for me as a performer to have that disconnect, you know, to have that separation of this is my professional life and this is my personal life, you know. And a little side benefit of being out in the middle of a pumpkin patch um, in New Hampshire, like we sort of are, um, is you can have that disconnect and separate from, you know, the industry and technology. But we're four and a half hour drive from Manhattan. We're four and a half hour drive from Montreal, and we're 35 miles from Boston. <clears throat> so we get a whole different experience in production here because we're not calling up an agency in L.A. and then girls come in and a bus with a driver, and it's like we've got a whole different paradigm going here. You know, get the girl on the Chinatown bus come from Manhattan. And <laughs> yeah, no, it's, we haven't had we haven't had you know stellar luck. We're we're lucky for the models that we have found, but talent is a lot more challenging to come by being oh, yeah. here. But then you find these, you know, n nobodies that nobody's ever heard yep. of. They're first time on camera. They're really mm. anxious. They're eager to please. They're yep. excited. So there is that. It's definitely a trade-off. But we've we've actually considered importing some, you know, some of my friends. It's just an excuse yeah. to get them to stay in my guest bedroom. <laughs> get them so them. We, do, we don't have a great deal of trouble bringing in uh, female performers. Um, we have a tremendous lack of men. Um, you know, the adage around here is guys in New Hampshire and New England in general got more sense than to be in a porn movie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that is, honestly. And I don't know. You know for, for me, I get these guys that are so excited and they're so ready and they're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then they don't show up and they don't call and, you know, that's it. Like We've had lots of that, too. Yeah. They get scared. They get scared. You know, I understand. And plus, it, it is that small town mentality where they don't want their, you know, high school mates finding out what they're doing or their parents or yep, yep. Joey Jojo at the post office. Yeah, I think that that plays a huge part in it is the smaller town mentality. And just the, like there's just a lot less people in, in your direct vicinity. But that, like Colin, you said, you know, like I drive down uh, with models all the time from Montreal. Um, you know, we've, we've you bring some for yeah, me. Yes, absolutely. Actually, yeah, then, then we could all be in violation of the Man Act. <laughs> I didn't say that. Uh, yeah, no, totally. We don't do that at all. Please, no. I got to change my name oh. or something so they don't oh. recognize me at the border. But uh, oh, I have a question. Actually, yeah. when we shot the plumber movie for Shish.com, and you were calling somebody in Montreal, Colin, was mm -hmm. this was this who you were calling? Oh, to be a performer, Simon? Yeah. No, wait, no, Simon's a filmmaker. He's, he didn't even take so his no shirt off. So no performing for Simon. <laughs> look at look at me. Oh wow, your my ego just went from like, just I'm a, I, like I said earlier. I'm just like a gaming nerd sitting in my office. I shoot porn once in a while. I shoot a lot of porn, but it doesn't. It's never like. Well, I, I shoot never, porn too, but I didn't know if you perform or hold a camera. Yeah, uh, I say I hold porn. I hold a camera. Actually, we I was there actually on the uh, the plumber. Yeah, shoot. he was cool. I was, was, I was crewing on, on that little bad boy. All right. I remember you. You're so small. Hold on. I can make you think. Could you ask me again? There goes that box. ego deflating okay. now. In, You're so small. No, no. Say that to me. Say that to me again in a sexy voice. <laughs> so oh, small. Ashley Fires called me. Tall, long, beautiful legs. <laughs> all right, all right, guys. This that oh that is. How you look as I sit on your face. <laughs> Speaking of sit on your face, let's talk about fembots and your experiences with that really on the rise at uh, at um, clip at clips for sale. 
um, you know, you've got a very popular Clips for Sale thing, and you're the sort of the official spokesperson uh, for right. Clips for Sale, I believe. So, you know, talk a little bit about that, and maybe segue into your own studio there, and your recent success with the um, with the bots. I hadn't even heard about these things until about like a week ago. It's like I'm thinking, are they like little chat pop-ups when you go to a tube and some <laughs> dude in Manila pretending to be a girl and wanted to chat? I thought that was a bot. No, you have a different bot. So talk about that a little. Well, we have several different bots. We have service bots. We have domestic bots. We have sex bots. You know, it's really what their program and design, what their function is. But the idea behind it was, I mean, just fembots. I mean, I remember seeing the fembots in that Austin Powers movie and they had the guns come out of their tits and I was like, I, mean, I was just a little girl and I was in love. I've always been fascinated by fembots and I'm lucky enough to have my husband who's a wonderful creative genius to come up with ideas and scenarios but we've been talking about doing fembots for years and we finally started doing it and it's so exciting. It's um, It's just another way to capture the submissive dominant relationship. You know what I mean? It's just another way to portray um, surrender and control and fetishize something. And I find that a lot of our viewers are, they're really loyal and they're really excited and they're really pitching in and helping us with, you know, develop the fembot characters. And it's wildly um, popular. It actually started years ago. I came off of a Playboy shoot and I literally had on eight pounds of makeup on my face and my husband said you look like a fembot <laughs> and so and so we shot a fembot clip we shot a fembot terminate orgasm where I, he held the camera and he had a remote control and i jerked him off but i'm in the middle of jerking them off i malfunction right so he comes and i keep going which is a <laughs> orgasm i just keep going keep and, going and, and your husband is standing right off camera and looking at him he's blushing a little bit right now so. <laughs> <laughs> lovely shade of red <laughs> Um, yeah, that's that's one of my fetishes, actually, making people flush a little. So, sort of, I, mean, I wanted I wanted to also add on to that. Oh yeah, um, ADD. By the way, I have total ADD. So if I go, woo. Oh no, that's <laughs> fine. I do. We all do. Okay. <laughs> the one thing I wanted to spin off of that is one of our little prepared questions. Um, your clip store on your clip store on, um, is very femdom and fetish based. Is it something you practice in your private time um, as a lifestyle, or is it strictly professional? So, do you like? You and your husband, I mean, do you, like, dress up like a fembot and chase him around with taser guns and stuff? Or, you know, is there a separation of sort of activity um, there? Or? Thank you for the idea. But, <laughs> no, we actually, we play... That's why I've got Wasteland, as we use a lot of tasers and stuff. We, we play totally differently off-camera. Um, I'm very dominant on-camera, and I am a pro-dom. And at home, I'm very submissive, actually. Yeah, I feel like it's um it's an outlet for me after, you know, controlling and owning other people on camera, I need to be able to submit at home. I'm looking at your husband right now across the room and he's smiling <laughs> grandly. I mean, I've tied him up a few times too. It's, it's a good relationship. It's nice to be able to to go back and forth. It's it sucks to be stuck in in one role sometimes. Unless you're, you know, there are some relationships. I have many lifestyle friends that live twenty four seven relationships. I mean, one of the sites that I produce, Femdom Bride. I mean, they live in a twenty four seven relationship, and um, yeah, 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 that's right. You showed me that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We we talked we, about it. Right. We talked um, about it. Yes. Yeah, so right. I I, I remember I told Goddess Darla, I'm like, guess, guess what? 
Ashley Fires really. She, I think she liked. She wants to shoot with you. <laughs> we're like totally like nerded I out. Do. I want to. But, I want. To. Yeah. No. Absolutely. She's like yes because uh, we we come down to Wasteland quite often and shoot. So we'll have to do something where we uh, we hook up or whatever, um, and and make a, a weekend of it or something. Um, but so between the three of us, we're with, all within four hours of each other. Yeah. And you know, who needs Brazzers? <laughs> you know. Oh, let's, yeah. Let's, <laughs> we let's dominate the Northeast. Let's right? do this. Um, kind of harping on your um, Clipster sales store, though, because that's kind of the tangent that we've been going on. Um, you know, obviously, you're producing that for yourself. It's part of your own business. You're a business person. Um, is there any kind of like, is there is there a difference for you between shooting for other people and shooting for your own clips for sales store? Definitely, definitely. You know, I'm I'm lucky. I have a wonderful crew. Um, I have my husband and Daniel, and they both, you know, they do so much. I mean, I, I, I'm still talent either way, either producing my own content or producing content for other people. But when we produce our own content, we do it right. You know, we take our time. It's not a crazy rushed environment. We feed our models. You know, we, we, um, if it's not right, we'll do it again. Mm. We'll do it and do it and do it until it's right. Where I find most other companies, they don't care. They're like, okay, moving on. And, you know, I, I definitely put a lot more of my heart and soul into my personal content. Um, and it's just, it's more rewarding. It's more rewarding when it's something that you want to do. I actually want to do that. Like the other stuff, it's not that I don't want to do it. I don't want, I might not necessarily want to do it their way. Right. Where, you know, you have so much more liberation and control over the way you shoot your own content. And, yeah. and I, get, I get really turned on having my husband in the room. So that seems to help a lot, too. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I want to get back to that in a little bit because I, I really think uh, that's an interesting point for a lot of people that, you know, might not be in the industry. But um, first, I, I, you know, you, you really seem to polish your content, right? Um, and you were talking about that a little bit. You can just reshoot it again, you know. Um, is that something that, that you kind of evolved into? Or did you start out kind of a little bit more gonzo and then you kind of like picked up the quality? Or has it always kind of been like a, um, a really no, important we're definitely, thing No, we're definitely stepping it up. We're definitely yeah. stepping up. We're adding special effects. You know, we're getting really into the character storylines and um, props. Definitely props help. I find props are great. Um, yeah, we're stepping it up. We're we're trying harder. You know, I mean, because if you're going to do something, do it right, or else what's the point? Right on. And I think I think you know from my viewpoint as a director and producer for Wasteland, you know, we started out very highly stylized back in the back in the Europe in 1996. There was no video, so we were very much kind of like an Eric Kroll coffee table um, BDSM fetish photo site. And then when video came along. Uh, we tried to be very high production values, but it was just so bad, the video quality at that point on the Internet, that we slipped over the edge and went to just really crappy gonzo, um, just because you could do it. But we found that once we got to the, like, 2005 or so, and everybody else sort of discovered that BDSM fetish was, oh, there's a niche to exploit, and everybody started developing this really crappy level, I call it the flog and fuck um, school of BDSM filming where you know, mm -hmm. flog the girl to make a cry and then fuck her in the ass. Well, to me, that's not BDSM, it's not fetish, it's just flog and fluff the girl. So, we went back to the stylized, you know, using props and lightings and things just to offset and be somehow different. Um, so, did, did you ever 
slip back into Gonzo at all and then find that it was better to, you know, stay with the stylized high production value? Or do you think there's a place for both? Maybe you should be shooting both styles for different demographics? That's that's exactly what we're doing. You know, I, I try to keep the femdom pretty raw, pretty as raw and real mm -hmm. and not a lot of cuts or, you know, this would be a good place to put, you know, beams coming out of the girl's <laughs> eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. it's, it, it's, it's the femdom stuff that has made us, I mean, the, the fembot stuff that has right. made us, you know, <clears throat> bringing up a notch. But the femdom stuff, I try to keep it real or raw or like how I would be in session or, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, I, I like, I like it also to appeal to amateurs, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you can't be too polished off. It can't be too, nothing's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Right. Yeah. So like having it real, I think you, you can actually connect mm -hmm. to and an I, audience. And I, th and I think part of that is in the broader industry also um, says a lot about clips for sale. Um, you, this is a little company that started back in the 90s, just like we did, was put together like we were with bailing twine and duct tape, um, you know, with very little understanding of technology, but just sort of stumbling along. Um, so we paralleled each other over the years. And I look at the absolute tanking of so many VOD and pay-per-view services out on the web. You know, we all know who they are, but I'm not going to say them, that have just tanked. But Clips for Sale is like the little engine that could. It's like wildly popular. They are now the big and, engine that could. <laughs> yeah, they're the yeah, big engine. Right? And people are actually spending real money on these clips. And you know, I, I look at this thing and I say, why is this doing so well when there's tubes out there with 1.5 million videos on it, all of the same stolen shit, and clips for sale is selling this? And, and I think, and would you agree that part of it is it is reality? There's a lot of amateurs on there. There's a lot of stuff that's not accessible all over the place, and it's got a little grit to it. That's right. That's right. I absolutely agree. And the fact that people are still willing to pay for porn. I also feel that clipsforsale.com provides a place for people that cannot find their specific fetish anywhere else. That is the only place where they can find exactly what it is that turns them on, right? Like Ukrainian tap dancing amputees. Right. Got it. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's I don't even, I should know all the categories, but there's so many categories and there's so many things that you just cannot find anywhere else. And it is, it's, it's amazing. It's like its own little universe. Universe. Mm. I call it, um, I call it the iTunes of fetish porn. Yeah, that is actually it, it, that, that works. Yep. Yeah. extremely accurate. I, I should have, damn it, that's really good. Because I've, <laughs> I've tried to, dis, to, to describe it to people before and it's, that actually is perfect. Like it's just the iTunes of, of porn, right? Um, yeah, I had to find a way to describe it in an interview, and right. that just to me during one interview, I was like, it's like um, iTunes fetish porn? It's, <laughs> right. like, it's our, our, our women's site. It's so hard to de describe to people over the years, yeah. uh, but everybody, because it's like porn, but it's got recipes and aphrodisiacs and how-to guides and true confessions and letters and ask and, you know, ask the editor sex advice. So we finally settled into something that people could understand. Um, it, you would say it's like Cosmo with the balls. <laughs> nice. That's good. Yeah, that's great. And you know, I, I think it's also important that the women, the older, you know, to have a voice, the older women to have a voice for their porn, or women who are maybe a little shy mm -hmm. about porn, and maybe you know they're not into traditional porn. I mean, I, I know girls who've gotten in the industry because they liked watching gangbang 
And they mm -hmm. said, I want to do that. But not all girls are like that. When I first started watching porn, I did not enjoy watching a girl get pounded. And if mm -hmm. there was an outlet for me where it was like, you know, I'm, I'm a romantic, I'm a hopeless romantic. So if there was something like that was more story driven or romantic or like, you know, couples, shish.com. If I had that when I was 18, I probably would have, you know, gone that way first because I feel like a lot of the porn, especially the porn that ki our kids are learning from, right? There's children out there learning from porn and it's like the guy comes in, I've done this kind of porn, okay? The guy comes in <clears throat> literally and puts it right in your ass. Like yep. That's just not yep. realistic at all and it's not hot and it's not, it's not porn that any woman wants to see because, you know, the woman's thinking, oh my God, you just put that in her ass. Right. <laughs> and I, I think, no oral or anything. <laughs> and I think that's part of the success of uh, Clips for Sale and, um, you know, actuallyfair.com is that, you know, on Clips for Sale, you can see people doing the darndest things with cantaloupes in Guatemala, in Spanish, that you would never see anything that has nothing to do with the tens of thousands of recycled, chopped up, stolen shit on all of the tubes. You know, right. it stands out. It stands out, and you know what? It's, it's real people. It's real people putting up their real kink on ClipsForSale.com. ClipsForSale is great because, you know, they really, they really sponsor the community. They really, they, you know, they sponsor FetishCon every year. They try to help out and do what they can for the fetish community. And they are so non-judgmental, you know, and it, it, it feels like a safe place. Like, I mean, it could also be a place where people might discover a fetish that they've never had before. Maybe they're just, you know, perusing around clipsforsale.com and they see something and they're like, oh my God, I'm so aroused by this. Who knew that, you know, a girl taking off her gloves slowly, or maybe it's just that person. Maybe they find a person that they're into and anything that person does is hot. I like to think that it has given a nice environment for people to explore mm. their kinks, to explore yeah, their Because up, up, until, um, up until recently, the common knowledge was, you know, from sort of the academia and psychological community about fetishists and specific fetishes that they were a learned ingrained behavior from an early, early age. And I'm seeing now that there are more outlets for people to explore their sexuality that they pick up new tricks along the way, and like you were saying, they see something and say, oh my God, that turned me on. Who would have thunk? I think there's right. always a natural like evolution. I think like certain people are, I guess, more um, predisposed to, to, to being kinky, and then as they they explore it, they kind of stumble into all this new stuff, right? Like, oh wow, pony play, that's amazing. That's just another way to describe dominance and submission right and then you find and you, you evolve and you go through uh different yeah. fetishes you come back to them and and that's the one thing i love about working in the bdsm community is that you meet these people these amazing people and the open-mindedness of them is like i have i have not right. found that anywhere else like you go to a fetish party and it's like a like you said a little contained universe of nice people because for the first time like usually you're like an outcast right like you, you know you don't really tell people right. about your kinks um 
But then in this little universe, like, no one can judge anyone else because you're just as fucked up as everyone else. Yeah, right, no, no, right, no, no, right. No. There, there's, there's no judgment. It's safe. You're amongst your peers. Yeah. At our, at our, at our studio, we, uh, we call it the twisted fuck gene. Right. <laughs> if you've got the twisted fuck gene, yeah. you tend to move Absolutely. into yeah. other areas. I just think it's, it's a, a form of evolution, really. I, I think... Um, uh, but it's, of, it's a symbol of, you know, like we're evolving, we're evolving sexually, we're evolving as humans. Um, I, I feel that also once you dip your foot in, you know, like once you get a little wet, you're like, why not? Why not yeah. get deeper into that pool? See, <laughs> well, see where this rabbit rush. goes. Yeah, you get That's this like I- rush of excitement, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's like dating for the first time, right? Every time you, you find a new fetish that you have, it's like it's like going on a date with someone for the first time. You get all those like endorphins and you get really pumped up and excited, whatever. And I mean, the dangerous side of that. Um, and I know I know some people that I think I think they push things a little bit too far. Like I think they're they're damaging themselves permanently. Like I I don't agree with that. I don't think right. that anyone that's like that aroused by something is thinking in the right headspace. To I mean, that being said, there's people that like just want to cut off their arm, right? Like they um. Right. Which, you right. don't talk like the body modification stuff. Like, right. They, they fetishize it to a point where it's like yeah, it, this thing that has to go. Right. right. It can right. become it's kind thing, of scary addictive. With, yeah. With, with like some of the vor, like some of the guys that, yeah. you know, have written to me and they want to like offer their bodies with the sacrifice and want right. to be eaten. Right. You know, oh, wow. I mean, yeah, there, there's always extremes, right? There's always extremes to everything. And Look I do. Look the Republican like, Party in the United States. <laughs> 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 it right? runs the gamut as well. <laughs> One of the, um, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I, I just wanted to say that um, I'm having a really good time, and thank you for having me on. This is actually like you know, because whenever you start a new project, you're like, oh, this is my vision for it, you know, like, and then yeah. w- will it happen? You know, you, you have like kind of a really specific idea of what you want or whatever, and you know, Colin and I have talked about it for quite a while, and we've been working on this together, and like, you know what? Like halfway through the first episode, like. Fuck yeah! Like, dude, I just want to give you like a fist bump and just be like, "We did it! Yeah. We did! We done, gone done it!" <laughs> yeah, like I mean, um, we're just like we're just like hanging out, rapping. We're yeah, just... exactly. That's that's and, great. And and one of the nice things is for me is I've been like moderating and been a speaker uh, since say, like nineteen ninety seven for the very first of the adult trade shows um, at all of them, pretty much. You know, between AVN and Expos and Internex before that, and the things we used to call the face shows. I don't remember what they were called, but it was owned by a woman called Face. So we used to call face shows. But over the years, I've either moderated or spoken on panels with probably pretty much the who's who of um, of the adult industry. So it's really natural and easy because you know I've, I've worked with you. Um, you know I know Paul Cambria. You know socially from you know, he's Larry Flint's attorney. Um, it's pretty much everybody in the industry. So it's just a nice synergy that we're not just pulling in people cold off the street that there's no relationship because between Simon and I, you know we we know a lot of people. And we don't have to have any icebreakers on this stuff. So this right. promises to be a good, interesting um, webcast or podcast or whatever we're calling it to follow. Yeah, Colin, uh, you know, Colin's mostly in charge of, uh, you know, bringing on guests and finding guests and stuff. And, and you could not have picked a first, a, be- a better first guest, to be perfectly honest. 
Um, Ashley, you're awesome. Um, and, and and it's cool because one thing that I that I actually want I didn't I didn't end up putting this up in the show notes, but it kind of occurred to me as I was thinking about the show this morning. And one thing that I've noticed about you that I don't see in a lot of other people that I think is one of your strong points is is the ability to go to L.A. and be that L.A. like porn starlet, you know, just gorgeous and glamorous, but then be able to turn around and do like raw femdom, which like we were saying about earlier, I think is a lot more attractive to people that are into female domination. Um, and, and I mean, did that kind of evolve out of something? I mean, did it kind of, because you just naturally oh, yeah. or? Yeah, actually, um, being submissive for me, it never quite seemed natural. And when I was growing up, I had two older brothers who literally tortured me. I'm, I'm not kidding, tortured me. And I would, you know, kick them in their balls. And just that feeling, that gratifying feeling, I mean, I think I've always had that, that dominant or that, um, I mean, I, I knew, I knew from an early age, female supremacy. I knew that, you know, women were to be revered as goddesses and treated as such. And that's the way it should be. And I'm, I'm actually quite traditional, you know, in a lot of ways, personally, but the femdom thing started, I would, I would seek out little boys to be that. I like to see them in pain. I would on the schoolyard, whatever. I mean, I, there was, there was this one little neighbor boy once, and I just, I really sadistically enjoyed hurting this poor little boy. And so it's been like, it's been like all of my life, right? And, you know, he's probably and, grown up to become a fan of like your femdom porn, right? <laughs> I hope so. It's like, we are, we are what, uh, some of our experiences, right? So, you know. Right, yeah. right. And, and I feel like, I feel like some people, you know, characters and kinks come from an early, early onset. And yeah, so being dominant, it's not, it, it, it is an alter for me. It's an alter ego. Um, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy being serviced and being on top and having control and, you know, all of that. Colin Roundtree is trying to Skype with me. <laughs> Colin, it's a, it's a transition to number six. We're also typing. Oh, We're talking the same thing. Oh, okay. I'm like, DDD. <laughs> we have, we have yeah. a little chat that we can we can. Yeah, tell we're each other we're stuff. typing. So you just gave you just gave, you just you just showed them behind the porn curtain that we're actually typing yeah. to each other while you're talking. Um, yeah, the number six in our show notes in our wonderful pre-production says, uh, following your Twitter, you seem like a very sensual person, very open. Were you always like that, or did that evolve or break out after you entered into the industry? You know what, there was a point in time where I actually became less guarded. It was about two or three years ago, and I was like, I'm just going to be real. I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to let people know who I am, how I feel, what's going on in this crazy head. I mean, obviously, I keep something private. I try to be private, um, and every now and then I'll just unplug. Every now and then I won't Twitter for a couple of days, and I won't, you know, I won't do anything adult entertainment related. I won't even read the trades or or even go on Twitter. So I feel like it's something that I've grown into. I've grown to being more open. You know, at first I wanted to kind of keep this mystique and this allure of being kind of, mm -hmm. you know, yep. serious and not open and not but I feel like if I share who I am and I let people peek into my life, you know, I mean, not just my sexual life, which is amazing, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> but like things like 
cooking, right? Like I'll cook something or bake something and take a picture of it and put it on Twitter. Um, I hope it shows like a different dynamic that I well, am and, a person. And I, I People keep in mind that I am a real human being and I'm not, you know, some fucked up. And person. I think it also gives you an edge as far as, you know, being noticed by people because you said mystique and allure. Um, a, a lot of people will perceive that as aloof and arrogant. So, you know, if someone is closed off, you know, people want to get to know you. And so many adult performers uh, do keep that patina up all the time. And it's like, you know, it's something that, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago was kind of a, a lure thing that you could pull off. But now people, I think people want to actually get to know you. As we're getting to know you today pretty quickly. All right. Yeah, there's a level of interaction also, which is why I have the best fans, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I have the best fans. I mean, I, I can't really tell you how amazing they are. I'm well, so that, that leads me to one, one of the other questions we had on the little worksheet here. Um, do you, does any one experience or interaction, short-term or long-term, with a fan stand out in your mind, either as being really, really great or really, really strange? But just give us a couple of fan stories. I've, I've had some strange ones. I've definitely had some strange ones. Um, yeah, the guy that, like the guy you wanted that uh, he wanted you to eat you or him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, right up there. He wanted to sacrifice his body for me to eat because I should be nourished by you know his love of me. Or I don't remember. Um, there was that. Um, but fans well, that I've actually that. met. <laughs> yeah, that happened. So fans that I've actually met in person. There was one guy I was feature dancing. Where was I? In Atlanta, Georgia. And he literally had like every single thing I've ever done, every single DVD, every single photograph he could find, you know, blown up, everything. And he wanted me to sign every single thing. I mean, you have to imagine it filled an entire table. There was so much stuff. And I said, I, I don't have time to sign on all of this. I'll, I picked, I, I said, here, I'll pick my favorite and you pick your favorite. I think it was five each and he knew everything about me I mean he knew things that I didn't know that he could know like what hospital I was born at and like wow. weird wow. things yeah oh my God. yeah it was kind of odd um and he looked at me like he may or may not rape my corpse after he murdered me <laughs> oh yeah that's, <laughs> so that's that was terrifying. that yeah yeah and then and then what uh, i'll give you a, a counter to this okay uh fetish con last year there was a couple who came up to me and they literally started reenacting one of my femdom scenes and she said that she uses me as inspiration she acts as me and they role play out femdom scenes that i've done wow and that has helped their marriage and helped their sex so much that they were about to get a divorce and that they found me or whatever. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. I mean, I was, I was, I was like, are you guys fucking with me? Are you serious right now? It's, oh, it is absolutely oh. amazing what impact we have on people. And I mean, I'm continually blown away because Goddess Starla will get emails and stuff and she'll forward them to me or she'll call me or, and we'll talk, whatever. And she'll be, and she, she said a couple of those, uh, exactly what you just said, where they reenact the scenes that we've done, yeah. you know? And I'm like, yeah. wow, like what? You guys were like on, on shaky ground and having a, like kind of a hard time in your marriage. And like, yeah. what? I, I'm actually convinced. I'm convinced that porn and escorts save marriages. I am a hundred percent. We're just doing God's work here. I mean, yes, let's we, be honest. We do good things. 
Uh, we, we, had a, we, we had a uh, interesting experience with a fan that we didn't even know he was a fan. This is back maybe year 2000, 1999. It was before we got a studio space. And so, you know, we've got a nice big house out in the country in the pumpkin patch in New Hampshire. <clears throat> so we were shooting in the basement and we used all, every single room in the house, you know, all bedrooms, living room, kitchen room, dining room, had all been used as sets over and over and over for Wasteland early films when we first started filming. And um, it was this one time that this woman that we knew, she was doing some writing for us or something. She said, yeah, can I bring, she's coming over like a barbecue. Um, she said, can I bring my roommate? He's kind of lonely and he doesn't get out much. And, you know, can I bring him along? I said, yeah, sure. You know, just get another couple of steaks and burgers for the grill, bring him along. Well, she came along with this guy. And he was probably in his mid-30s and, you know, very, very, like, sort of nervous guy. And he comes in. And he's looking around the house, and he's looking in every room, and he's, his eyes were wide, and he was smiling, and he's like, in not a real creepy way, but just kind of like, wow, this guy really likes our house. But then they came out that he had been a member of Wasteland for four years, and had memorized every <laughs> single scene we'd ever shot in our house. It was rattling off, oh, this is the library with the piano in it. You shot the thing where you put... a chain up Zilly's hoochie thing and pulled it out to Scott Joplin ragtime music or something. How do you remember that? But that was <laughs> weird to have a, a hardcore fan just show up unexpectedly not knowing who we were. Because right. he walked in it's like, holy shit, this is all the Wasteland sets. I just walked in. So, so we gave him a lifetime membership for free. <laughs> it's That's so, really great. It's so nice getting like feedback from fans. I mean, it's one of the hardest things to do. I think an adult, like, you know, it took us like hundreds of movies before we got our first comment, you know, like, and then and then they start and it kind of snowballs, right? And you start getting a lot of feedback, both positive and negative. But I mean, I guess people just don't want to comment on stuff when they're, you know, masturbating. But uh, right, nobody wants to be wanna, nice. Yeah, they want their visual. They want to get off and they yeah. want to be done with it. And nobody wants to be the first person on the dance floor yeah, either. Absolutely. I mean, we know that. Right, so yeah. once you get a few comments going people will yeah. feel obliged to comment to disagree or agree but man does it ever like justify like i don't know it just feels great when you it's like wow there's real people like those views aren't like fake you know like uh it, it feels amazing um so all, for all of you fans out here watching yeah realize uh, that these comments are important to us and the rating the rating just because we look at those carefully to take you know your blood pressure to see what's working and what's not so please do us a favor after you enjoy paying for our content and watching it rather than getting it that was stolen give us some ratings and give us some comments because we do take them seriously and, and follow us all on twitter they're all on the overlay here simpatico oh, tv you. wasteland movies and ashley fires you have a you 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 just make me you just question my sexuality or my manliness with your twitter follower count god damn you have a lot of ca followers you have like what really? thirty-two thousand followers or something really? yeah i'm I like i'm like i haven't looked in since, I don't know, 26, oh, I guess. Come on. I had no you idea. You don't wake up in the morning what? and check your Twitter follower counters? Come no, on. I don't. Actually, I, actually, I'm telling you, sometimes I'm really bad and I don't check Twitter at all and oh. I don't... I, I feel guilty. I get, like, Twitter guilt. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> I have a Twitter guilt. Uh, um, No, I try not to look, you know, um, and I, I don't care about the stats. Like, there's other contests and there's other websites where you can actually be ranked. Mm -hmm. Like by your popularity or whatever, and I'm not competitive. I'm not a competitive. I don't compete with other women. I don't compete with anybody but myself, and so I don't care how many followers so and so has or how many I even have. What I care about is that there are people out there that care about what I'm doing. 
you know? There's people out there that, that want to know what I'm up to or that my free pictures that I'm giving to my Twitter followers, people are inspired or, you know, it makes their costs hard or makes, you know, piques their interest somehow. That's what I care about. That's the coolest thing about Twitter is the fan interaction and getting, like, instant responses and stuff. By the way, like, so you're, you're femdom, L.A. porn starlet, uh, glamorous model. Um, and makes femdom, it mean, um, and makes it mean omelet. Can I, can, I, <laughs> can I hire you as a life coach? Because I, I need some help with my yeah. uh, non-competitive or my competitive uh, character well, traits. Let me, I, let, me, let, yeah. me, let me swing around behind the curtain again. Because there's one pressing issue in adult, and that's the L.A. County and L.A. City mandated uh, condoms issue. And most people have probably heard a little bit about this in uh, L.A. up on the screen. Um, Through through some pretty nefarious um, activities, uh, a thing called the AIDS Health Foundation, run by a rather vociferous little guy called uh, Weinstein, got it on the ballot in the past through bogus signature collecting it's now the law in the city of L.A. and probably will be soon in L.A. County overall. And you've gone through the transition of being all pre-mandated um, condoms to moving to New Hampshire. Either you're shooting out here some, <clears throat> you're going back to L.A., now working in a mandated situation. Just talk a little bit about that. How is that perceived by performers? Is it, you know, just talk to me about this issue. Well, it's not going to be enforced not anytime soon. Um, th- there is this level of anxiety on every set that I've been to in the past couple of months. You know, if you're on your phone, they're like, don't reveal your location. Don't Twitter. Don't do this. You know, Show off your, turn off your location services on yes. your phone. Yep. As soon as, what they're doing now actually is they'll have you meet in one place and, and then go from there to the location. Which, so is, which is exactly what it was. Christian Mann will tell you on the next episode or so. This is what was 30 years ago. Meet at the A.M.P. parking lot, jump yeah. into a couple beat-up cars, and go in two different directions, and nobody could find you. Wow. So they're I back love to, it. Wow. So it reminds me of history repeats going to itself. rave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So it, it is history is repeating itself, and you know everyone's super paranoid and super on edge. It seems like there's this definite level of anxiety that oh my god we're going to get caught we're going to get raided i was on one shoot where literally if a car pulled up anywhere near the driveway or on the street everyone froze and got ready to run and you know they have condoms out they have condoms out and we're supposed to pretend right if for some reason the shoot you're on gets raided you're supposed to have used condoms out on the floor you know, for the illusion that you're using condoms. I mean, you're clearly not. I'm like, well, wouldn't they just look at the camera? Anyways, that's a whole... Well, and <laughs> it's, also, it's also kind of a... Because we're using condoms. Yeah, but it, it, there is this paranoia. There is this anxiety everyone has. And, hey, all I can say is <clears throat> we're already here. We're, we're already in New Hampshire. And Come on. If, if we don't need no stinking condoms. I mean, but yeah. sort, of the, sort of the perfect storm of this issue <clears throat> was that I, I'm not going to say AIDS Health Foundation caused this or had anything to do with it, but the hacking of the database of AIM, which took down a perfectly, wonderfully working system that everybody was using, it was keeping everybody safe and well. Everybody was happy, and, you know, they offer so much more than testing. They offered counseling. They offered, you know, life after porn program they they mm-hmm. actually offered you know services that were important and now 
now what we're stuck with is these unreliable tests. Yeah, blood, blood drop. But yeah. where, where I was kind of going with that, do you find that, have you, or have you seen any movement towards shooting with condoms? Are any studios doing that? And if so, are people not testing now? Which just seems to be a great danger right there of no, not being I tested. Would, I, I, I would not shoot that way, and I, I don't think anyone's doing that. I, I think it's mandatory testing, plus I know it's being encouraged in San Francisco, at Kink, I know they're encouraging condoms, condom mm -hmm. shoots. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind. Condoms are sexy. To me, condoms are sexy. But then you have all kinds of problems with it. You know, I, I would like to promote safe sex. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of male actors that just won't use condoms or can't, or they cannot maintain an erection with a yeah. condom. Um, that seems to be the most common mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I've seen. Is You know, they're good, they're hard, they're ready to go. And then you put a condom they, on. They slip it on. A purr. <laughs> From a performance perspective, though, I mean, like, and, and actually to touch on something you said earlier, where we're kind of like, whether we know it or not, we're kind of educating people into how to have sex, I guess, or how do they think they should be having sex. Right. Um, do you think condoms, you know, play a role in that, in, in kind of edu educating the, the general public? And, and, I mean, on the flip side, you know, like, we work with a lot of, like, like real couples, right? It's it's not any of our business to say whether they should use a condom or not, and and I don't, and I don't think that should be legally mandated. But like, um, you know, so in terms of education, do you think that like mandatory condom use will like, kind of promote? I, I I mean I hope it does promote safer sex, but at the same time, I mean you've got to understand we're all adults and we're all tested and we all make a choice, you know, and and I think that. If there was more condom usage in porn, then yes, the, the younger generation and people who are learning sex from porn will also use condoms. Right. And you know, it, it is it, it is the age we live in. But to be honest with you, I mean, in porn, where it's such a regulated thing that we're all tested, you know, I, I think it's kind of ridiculous. I, I think it's um, well, and the and the five hundred pound gorilla in the basement here is that. If you're shooting with condoms, you're not monetizing the content as well from the studio and producer perspective. I mean, you know, the porn industry has trained the viewership for the last 20 some years that bareback is sexy. So if one studio steps out, like a couple are, like, you know, Kink is including some of that content, what happens to that content though when there's 750,000 other movies out there that's what you want to see, which is not bareback? Yeah. Um, you end up losing the monetization of that content. I, I thought the the really funny one um, that was maybe two years ago at this point was uh, Manwin and Brazzers, Brazzers specifically, had these huge public education billboards in Times Square in New York about use condoms, it's a healthy, sexy thing to do, whatever, but if you go to Brazzers, it's 100% bareback. <laughs> right. <It's> like, <laughs> right, right. And, and that's, that's exactly it, is that you know, in, in our fantasies, there are no condoms. Right. You know, That's and, very well put. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I, I don't know. I mean, I go back and forth. I go back and forth all the time. You know, it's a multi-layered issue. I mean, it is. It really is. It really is. I mean, I feel like as a as I would have no problem wearing condoms all the time. And when I first started doing boy girl, that's all I would do. I would only do it with a condom and not just for safety reasons, but for me, I felt there was that little piece of plastic, you know, 
separating us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's true, you know, I, I, I try to avoid the fact that every now and then it pops into my head, I'm risking my life for my job. Like, I'm, you know. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely possible. where I wanted to come It's a possibility. Yeah, that was kind of the angle I was coming at a little bit in regards to, you know, from a performance perspective. But, again, on the flip side, you know, to step away from the devil's advocate role a little bit. <laughs> uh, what Colin, you were mentioning where with with this, I mean, then the mandatory testing goes away and then people are kind of like just disobeying. I mean, you're, you're taking your the de facto reality is being altered by someone with no education in the actual like what's happening on the ground, you know, right. and, and that I don't think ever in history has it ever resulted in, like, a good thing, right? When, like, so you know, a government, like, official who has no idea what's actually happening in reality makes a decision based on, I mean, well, look, this, at, I look mean, at marijuana. This... I mean, that's, like, the, the, the criminalization of marijuana. I mean, that's, that's just retarded on so many levels that I mean, you can't even count them. I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot more of this, um, specifically in the adult industry, in the last, you know, three or four years. With and this isn't even a government official. We're talking about uh, Anthony Weinstein. You know, he's basically a dude that started a nonprofit to protect people against themselves. For the most anybody can see is to create a job for him to eventually become a big muck muck czar of condoms in this you know in the state of California right. or even the world. I mean, okay. the, sim- the similar one was uh, you know some pasty white fat British guy called Stuart Lawley. Oops, did I say that? <laughs> uh, you know, no, decides you know to impose his values by the dot triple X thing just to be able to create this safe, wonderful harbor. What no one right. really wanted to do is right. make millions of dollars. Um, right. It seems, it seems quite narcissistic for someone who's so concerned with everyone else's health, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and by yeah, the way, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we could like openly criti- criti- criticize uh, Stuart Lolly on this show. This is this is a <laughs> a Stuart Lolly unfriendly show. I think with, <laughs> with colorful adjectives. With colorful adjectives, absolutely. Yes, and great vocab, Colin. Your vocabulary is it's beautiful. pretty amazing. I love it. Thank yeah, you. I love I love your vocabulary. I wanted to go back on to sort of a lighter topic to spin off of the ones you said before about you know a male talent. <clears throat> you can be go on set. He can be you know rock hard and ready to roll. Ready to you put that just, you put that condom on and go. Yeah, well, I mean, you put the condom on, or some guys, you put the condom on, they're still very, very hard, but they can't feel the penetration, and then they lose it. Right. So it's not necessarily so, the condom itself, it's the idea or the so, lack. So, so condoms or no condoms, um, aside, of, aside from feature films that you shoot for me that I direct, where the experience happens that the male goes, um, that we have all kinds of interesting fluffing <laughs> issues for hours and hours. Is that common? Um, is it more common with amateur guys than pro guys? And what are the techniques? I'm sure everybody wants to know about fluffing. So just right. talk a little bit about how frequently and how, do, okay. how does a fluffer thing happen? Well, for me personally, um, I notice that the amateurs definitely have more wood issues. And the professionals, you know, they I don't know what they do, but they're... They crush up and snort Viagra. I've seen it. Yeah. Well, I've, I've seen. I've, I've seen actually, or heard more of, and seen the evidence of guys injecting their penises with liquid liquid Viagra. Oh. Edex. No, Edex. no fluff on dirty old men TV. We do they not actually, sugarcoat anything. Yeah, Jesus they actually will Christ. drive a needle into their penises Oof. to keep erect for hours. My sphinx just closed. <laughs> <laughs> Your face. Yeah, right? Um, 
Yeah, so that, that's that's a fact, that and that's kind of scary. And also health issue, if you think about it, you have a puncture, and yeah. So um, for me personally, I try to make a connection right off the bat, right? So if I know I'm going to be working with somebody, I want to seduce them right away. Hi, we're working together. Oh, you're cute, you know, just just right away. And I just, like, drape my, my energy, my sexual energy, like, right into them, and I'll make eye contact and, you know, um, whatever, whatever it takes, basically, usually I'll give the guy a minute alone. Let's say there is a wood issue, right? Let's say he loses. I'll give him a moment to center himself and get in his own head or whatever, or I'll just casually go away and like, you know, maybe start playing with myself or spread open my butt or whatever, whatever, you know, or, or bring yeah. in your loving husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. That's a whole other story that I'm not yeah, sure you even disclosed. Um, One of the yeah, biggest... if my husband's there, I'll be like, "Do you want to watch us?" You know? <laughs> what's, what's better than live, live sex? Not much. I mean, that gets me going. And it works. It worked on our recent. It shoot. did. It worked. Um, that was interesting. So, uh, <laughs> That's a good word. That was fun. That was a fun. That was a fun. Um, yeah, I had sex with uh, my husband in your kitchen. Um. <laughs> Wait, that's what makes anyway. this industry so much fun actually yeah, is, so is that you can say shit like that and have it just be like yeah no totally i, I fucked in your kitchen no big deal yeah. Yeah, don't worry it was totally sanitary for the, uh, for the voyeur kink of the guy that lost his wood while shooting a food fight fetish porn thing in the garage yeah at three right. o'clock at three o'clock in the morning Right. So, um, you know, and if that doesn't work, obviously if that doesn't work, then off camera, I, I'll, you know, I ask them. I, I ask them, and believe it or not, a lot of the time, they either want to go down on me or they want their nose and tongue as far up my ass as they can get it. So, usually, I, I, I'll go over to them and say, what is it? What do you need, baby? What is going to get your dick working for me? Just tell me what to do. Let's do it, you know? Um, and And they're like, on my face or you know some guys be like let me suck on your toes while they jerk their dick or it just it depends on the person and you know and that's the thing when I first started doing boy girl which was last year <laughs> for other companies besides myself I never paid much attention to whether or not the male talent was erect but now it's it's your job I mean when you're doing the vanilla porn that's your job to get that dick ready for you. That's also the male's performer, but it, I feel like if you can establish a connection off camera, then the scene on camera will just be that much better. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I mean, a lot of people uh, have the ability to like mimic that relationship. Uh, you're one of the people that do it spectacularly well that I've noticed. Like like that clip that I was showing earlier. Uh, actually, why not? We'll just show it again because I haven't gone to that screen in a while. Okay. Yeah, yeehaw, we're going to, yes. Cool. I'm such a pervert. I love watching my own stuff. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's why we, uh, you know, I try and shoot like like real couples as much as off, uh, as often as possible because you have that on-screen chemistry, you know. Um, and, and oftentimes you have a lot less um, wood issues because you end up, there, I think a lot of it is just comfort level. Like I was shooting recently, um, I actually got hired to do some gay porn, which by the way, they pay really well um to even just to shoot it was it was awesome i was like holy crap this is wicked uh but anyway very very cool people and we were shooting 
And uh, this guy, you know, had a hard time getting hard. So we were kind of tiptoeing and being quiet and waiting for him while he was kind of fluffing himself or whatever. And then I was just like, fuck it. We just started talking and, like, laughing and shit. Not even, like, we were waiting there for a good, like, 35 minutes. Not even oh, yeah. 30 seconds after we started talking, boom, he's ready to go. Just because it doesn't thing, feel so... You know, so... it makes them uncomfortable. I've heard the guys say that when everyone's quiet, yep. it puts more pressure on them and makes them feel uncomfortable. But if people are just going about their business, then they have an easier time getting wood. My personal uh, introduction to fluffing on a porn set is, uh, this is quite a few years ago, we were up in Montreal when we first started shooting video, and we hired some local talent, you know, there's a guy, that a producer up there brought us some people in, we had this huge guy, this big French-Canadian guy, shaved head and just really nice looking guy. Um, and we'd already shot like three or four scenes, and he'd already had about two or three pop shots. And I'm sitting on this sofa on the set, changing, changing tapes. These were big tapes. These were not even our little tapes. This is the, you know, back in the beta cam days, I'm thinking. But I'm sitting there changing my tape, and I, the, the couch is kind of rocking. <clears throat> and I look, and there's Nick Steele. Uh, fluffing himself like six inches to my right, and I was so flabbergasted, I just jumped up and ran away. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually an ongoing joke. Like like when I imitate male porn actors, this is me. I stand up and I'm like, "Hey, what's up? Yeah, how you doing? Yeah, no, no, yeah. Uh, I talked to her the other day, or they'll be like on their phone and they're just like." You know, they, their hands are constantly on their dick, and they're constantly jerking it, and they, they can have conversations, and they can eat, and they can do all kinds of stuff while they're just sitting there stroking away, and look at people right in the eye, and, you know, it, it's a level of comfort that I think is just great. I mean, if when I'm masturbating on set, which I like to do, I feel like it gets, gets it all wet and ready. <laughs> um, I like to take a moment and go fluff myself, and uh, I, I kind of want to be, like, in my own space. You know what I mean? I, I, I mean, there's a part of me that's an exhibitionist that, like, oh, I'm going to masturbate and have a little pre-sex orgasm and, or whatever, but I'm not that open with it. Like, I'll go masturbate in the bathroom before my mm -hmm. scene. Like, I, so, I want to well, have that private me time. Is that weird? So, so, yeah, no, so with, on, on that happy note, um, as that last five minutes of conversation, we'll probably get Dirty Old Man feed banned from YouTube within five nanoseconds. Um, why don't we move towards our own happy ending? Um, Ashley, is there anything you'd like to add? Uh, maybe one that would be nice is um, any of the women who are, you know, fans at this point but are looking to get into the industry, or men too, for that matter, but w what would be a pearl of wisdom to leave as far as, you know, someone just getting started now? Well, um, I, I have a few pearls. I got a couple gems for you. Okay. <laughs> Okay, one is if you cannot function in reality and you have to use drugs or alcohol, then don't do it. If you are a sane, consensual, sober adult or can be sober on camera, then do it. go ahead and do it. And if you're interested and you feel like you're a sexual person and you want to share that, then go ahead and do it. And also, people think it's not hard work mm. they actually think oh sex for a living oh wow that's amazing you're so lucky you get to have sex for for your career is having sex it's not easy it's it is a lot of hard work i mean there are definitely some fun awesome times you know where it's 
doesn't seem like work in that moment, but it is. It's a lot of hard work. And you have to be determined and concentrate and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not as easy as it looks. It's not as easy as it looks, and it's not always as sexy as it looks. If you're squeamish and you have a problem with shit or blood or vomit, then maybe don't do things. <laughs> so you have to be open. You have to be, you know, have your head on straight, and you have to realize it is a, a job, essentially. It's, it's a mm -hmm. career. Well, I mean, some people, it's a career. I remember, you know, like five years in, I was like, oh, wait. I guess this isn't a hobby that pays well. Right. Yeah. Um, so was that so, just like a moment in time? Like, do you actually vividly remember that moment where you decided for it to not be a hobby or just something on the side or something temporary where you're like, I'm going to do this for real, like as a career. This yeah, is what I want to yeah. do. Do you Can you describe like that, that realization? It was about five years ago, and I had been a spokesmodel for ClipsForSale.com for a year, and we were actually – at a convention, I don't remember which one, and seeing my fans, actually, all of the fans, I thought, whoa, this is serious. Like, these people actually came here to see me, you know? And, and that's, the, I remember at the convention thinking, yeah, no, this isn't a hobby anymore. This isn't something I'm dabbling in. Like, this is something I really want to do, and I'm really good at it, and I'm going to continue doing it. And, yeah, there was, like, this, like, moment. It was like an epiphany. I was just sitting there in the convention, you know, talking to somebody, a fan, and I realized, you know, they walked away and I realized, wow, okay, <laughs> I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I'm glad that, that that's a cool decision to make, you know what I mean? Where it, like it's like to actually have that memory of something like that. That's, I think that's a pretty significant moment, you know, when, when you realize that you're doing what you actually want to do. I don't think most people have that. Like right now, like, like Colin and, and, and I and, and you were, were sitting doing something that we want to do. Like right. how many, like we're very lucky to be able to do that. Not most people are, you know, in an office or doing something that they're not really passionate about. And right. I, I mean, I try and remember that on a daily basis whenever I go how lucky, out. How blessed we are. Because we yeah. are. I mean, yeah. you know, not everybody can, you know, create their own reality. Yeah. You know, not, in, not everybody has that opportunity to be lucky enough to wake up and go, this is what I'm going to do today. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I feel like I feel like having somebody suck on my toes while I do this. Let's make that happen. You know? Yeah, that's pretty cool. It, it, it's it's uh, it's something that like it's whenever I, I go out somewhere and I see someone doing something a, another job I'm just like man I love it <laughs> but yeah okay we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and wrap up yeah, this uh, my, first it's, episode I could talk me, all day let me, let me I just, could talk all just, day <laughs> let me add a tag on that you know enjoying yourself I mean what I always tell um, adult webmasters and producers when they're getting into the business you know when they show up at the shows and things I said if you're getting into it get into it for the right reasons. Get into it because you enjoy it, and whatever it is that you're going to produce or film or whatever websites you're going to be doing, make it something you're passionate about. It's something that right. turns you on in some way. Um, you know, if you're, you know, you know, some big old straight guy, don't start twink gay sites. Right. I mean, do something that that you're into. You know, right. no matter how. Shows, too. The end product actually. In that, in that way, I mean, you're you're working with the type of medium and type of content that you enjoy. So you can be creative about it. You can feel happy about what you're doing. So, you know, being passionate and being sane and right. living, well, living mean, a good we, life is what it's all about. 
we all have to self-motivate. In, in our industry, right, we mm -hmm. all have to have the ability to self-motivate. And it's so much easier to self-motivate if you're actually excited about what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I think you also really have to love the technology behind it because this is a very technology driven industry right i mean especially online obviously so if you're if you're not really into the technology or have the ability to partner with someone that is you're gonna have a rough time of it you need to love being on a computer <laughs> like you need to love it. you're video editing you're driving traffic you're doing all this stuff like it's uh it's it's pretty important but so on that happy note um Ashley, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to speak with you. And well, thank you so much. Thank you, honestly. Thank you for having and me. We'll and and it's gonna, I'll come back sometime. It's going to be strawberry picking season in a couple of weeks. We can go down the road here, pick okay. some strawberries, and go home and make some jam. I'm looking for these pumpkin patches now. Yeah, that's in the <laughs> fall. That's in the fall. <laughs> Do you have any uh, any shout outs? Anything you want to plug before we take off? No, I just want to say um, thank you and that uh, keep watching me do what I love to do. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for watching the first episode. Please, uh, Colin, do you have any uh, shout-outs, that, that good old Twitter of yours under under that beautiful uh, video? Under my name there, yeah. the, at Wasteland. At Wasteland Movies. And I'm easy to find. Uh, if you go to avn.com and just type my name, Colin Browntree, um, R-O-W-N-T-R-E-E, -E, there's many, many pages that go all the way back to the beginning of me being in the industry and our company and you know how my wife and I got started back in the 90s, which is a good read unto itself. So go to avn.com and type in Roundtree, and you'll see many, many happy pages about me and other shout-outs. I don't want to Absolutely. spam all here. <laughs> well, uh, if you're a webmaster, go check out spicecash.com. You've been seeing that logo spinning around the entire show. Uh, if you're a surfer, if you are a fan of kink and fetish and, and uh, anything, go check out any of those other sites uh, like Wasteland, Femdom Bride, Mystrix, Forbidden East, a whole slew of them. And of course, you have to go check out www.ashleyfires.com and, yes, uh, and get, get your boner on. It's going to get a whole free design soon. So cool. So are you going to announce that on Twitter? You're going to announce of that on course. Twitter, I'm sure. So follow, follow Ashley Fires on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, at Simpatico TV. And uh, check out the show next week. We're going to have a Mr. The Wonderful uh, Christian Man from Evil Angel Video oh, on the show. Hey. Chris, Christian, for those of you who don't know him, he's the uh, Major General at Evil, uh, Evil Angel. Um, he's sort of the first lieutenant to the infamous John Stagliano. Uh, he's been in porn for at least 35 years at this point. Started by um, running porn magazines in New York for his father, who was a bootleg printer. He has stories that go back like to the U Hefter days. So um, wow. that, that's what John's going to or what Christian's going to be talking about. And if we're lucky. The, the infamous and eccentric libertarian John Stagliano will slip into the camera for as long as we can hold his attention before Yay. he goes off to make the next version of Fashionistas <laughs> or a Buttman cool. movie. So come back okay, next week. Okay, you just put me on the cover of Buttman Stretch Class oh, right. 11. Yeah, so, I worked with uh, him. But Christian Mann helped me write my press release. No way. Okay, like, yeah, great. What a great guy. Uh, both of them, him and John. Great yep. guys. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, how much fun then, is that going to be? And then in coming weeks, we've got um, Diane Duke coming on from the Free Speech Coalition, a product demo, a uh, pair of sex educators that work with uh, Cal, um, Cal Exotics, doing sort of a cooking show with dildos on the show. That'll be very interesting. You've never seen anything like that before. And lots more people lined up in the wings. So with that, I'm going to sign off. This is Colin Roundtree from Dirty Old Man TV. And the guy over here at my side is Simon We'll see you guys next time. Tweet at us and ask us your questions. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, all.